just realised, indeed, that we've talked brilliant stuff for the last half an hour and none of it has been recorded. All our outtakes, where, where are we going to get them from? Is anyone else in the house? Ah. See, no not to come in. Yeah. <laughs> He's very well behaved. I know that she's moaned about the fact that she never gets a brew. That is savage when someone takes a brew but doesn't give one back. <laughs> That's a huge brew deficit. <laughs> Similar to the UK you know, economy at the moment. Get your duvet off your bed, put it over, over your, your head. head over the laptop and, and you'll, be, you'll be sorted. That is for the professionals. Well, we have to mention the uh, the unicorn in the room after Indy stumbled over the... You cannot say... No, you can't. Let it go. Let it go. I'm not letting it go. Let it go. You should let it go. What, what <laughs> I love is even once we paused and we were going through it again, it's a complete lack of confidence in your voice as you were saying explaining what it was. You know what? This is the most stressful day you could ask me to do something, but I'm still holding my stuff together just about. I was introduced as a lady that's into bold men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did, did I do that? Yeah. I know Indy can't say no. Her face oh, says no. This is exciting times, isn't it? Taking over from, uh, from Ryan. Big mantle. Is that a big man tool or big man? <laughs> I'm, a big, I'm a big man tool. That's what it was. <laughs> Don't put that in the outtake. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Digitools in a Cruel World. So an original podcast, we hope, which explores a world of tech, apps and digital adoption in the accounting and business world. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed listening to our first few episodes. It's my turn in the hot seat today, so taking over from Ryan. Uh, and that means we've got a little bit of a switching format with Indy asking the questions and Ryan just chipping in when he gets a chance. Um, so over to Ryan. Ryan, how's your week been? It's Yeah, it's been busy. Um, my boiler broke, which is weird to you know, happen in the summer. So uh, a, bit of a, bit of, a bit of a manic morning. Turns out that a valve had just switched itself off. Um, so it'd be incredibly embarrassing when the plumber came out and we literally just turned something. Um, so had that. I'm obviously not very handy as a person. Um, but otherwise, yeah, a bit of a come down really from the Digital County Show last week. Uh, it was very exciting. I probably drank a bit too much, met way too many people and broke my voice the next day I could hardly speak. Um, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's my week so far. Yeah, same here. I, I got home for, after my trip to London for the for the show and literally could barely talk, which uh, everyone in my family was very pleased about. Uh, so, yeah, there's an upside, I suppose, to everything. OK, let's move on. She's pink. She's horny. She's our unicorn in the pod. Uh, it's Indy. How's your week been? I love that introduction. <laughs> I'm not sure about the second part. But pink I'll take. Um, my week was great. I actually was really antisocial after digital accountancy. And I am a believer that we just, oh, too much extroversion forces introversion. So for me, I spent the whole weekend not talking to anyone and I loved it. Excellent. Okay. Thanks, Indy. And we're also joined by an amazing guest, Caroline. So, uh, Hi, Caroline. How are you doing? Introduce yourself. How's your week been? Hi. Uh, well, I'm Caroline Harridance. Yeah, I've uh, had a good week. It's been my first week back from holiday. The kids are back at school. Um, the husband's been in the office. So I've actually had the house to myself, which I don't think I've had since last March. Um, so, yeah, no, it's been a good week. Um, as for introducing myself, um, I am an accountant. I run my own practice um, and I'm also... Um, I've done B Corp for my own business and become a B leader. And I know this is something we will talk about a little bit more in case people have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Thank you very much. And we'll look forward to that. That's crap. That's crap. Need to take the piss out of Indy. <laughs> more, a bit more, a bit more. <laughs> Standard. I was away from this and just weeps in the corner for, for a couple of hours. Well, it takes a lot more than that to break me. Well, there's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Okay, so that leads us on to app news. And uh, I think I'm first up today. Uh, and Intuit have uh, made a bid to acquire MailChimp for an absolutely epic amount of money. Uh, I think they're talking $10 billion uh, valuation. Uh, clearly, you know that would be a huge, huge acquisition for for anybody. Um, but the the opportunity for for Intuit to be able to tap into uh, all of those Mailchimp users and and the contacts that they've got in there uh, could could create an absolute beast, really, in the in the accounts and sort of marketing space. So really interesting. Clearly, you know, we've talked about Intuit, uh, you know, who own QuickBooks and their acquisition strategy in the past has been to buy uh, big players in the market and then close them down to other competitors. So uh, we'll. Be interesting to see how this plays out whether um whether mailchimp will accept the bid and uh, and what they'll do with that product uh, assuming it goes ahead ryan what have you got so simpro they have now built an integration into netsuite similar um from what i can tell to i guess their other integrations uh, customer and supplier information goes across invoices payments supply invoices and contract invoices all go across from simpro into netsuite I think what's most interesting is obviously they are moving up into those higher realms, those bigger products. Um, so it's it's kind of recognizing that Simpro is a big product in itself and now making NetSuite more industry specific. Um, so yeah, not much in that area, but it was interesting to me that they're, they're building into those bigger products. Yeah, and I, I think it's really encouraging. I mean, we've talked about this again previously, or touched on it at least, that you know, for the for the vertical apps, the ones that work in those niche areas, I think it's really important that they kind of step out of uh, you know the zero and QuickBooks space and and get access to a wider range of products, and particularly these ERP products where you know really you know big product like Simpro is designed for a larger business and and a really good fit, and just helps those ERP products become a bit more specialized as well, rather than you know the the the, the problems and the, the the compromises that you have to make with an ERP system not specifically designed for your for your sector. Um, <clears throat> okay, let's move on to Indy. I think there's lots of investment news to catch up on, so hit us with it, Indy. Yes, and before I get any sort of quip hit at me, uh, unicorns <laughs> over one billion value, one billion dollars. I'm sorry, I missed some things. I had a couple of glasses of champagne by that point. <laughs> Uh, but in other news, uh, Connect4 initial seed round. I don't know if you guys have used Connect4 at all. And Andrew Jordan has done a fantastic job of putting together what's a, a good proposition for uh, meetings to happen. And actually, although the amount wasn't disclosed for the seed round, it will be good to see how this helps scale um, them up more into the accounting space. I don't know if anyone wants to add on that. Yeah, I mean... They're very visible in the account space and they, they bring with it an interesting proposition. I've, I've been very unfortunate so far in that I think I've joined three or four sessions and I've, it's not worked for me. And there's always been some sort of um, glitch or bug. But I guess the key thing is if they've got this big investment now, they should be able to ramp up development. So I'd expect anything, you know, any issues that are coming up, if they're still there, which I can't say they are, I've not been on it for a while. Um, if they are, you know, these will be solved and it would probably allow them to market this in more than they've done so. I, th I think as well, just to add to that, Ryan, I mean, I've had a similar experience, had a few glitches, a few problems with it initially. And, you know, you know, again, we work for larger firms. And so we tend to be a bit more entrenched in terms of the technology that we use and we have access to. Um, you know, we've, we've built our practice around teams, which, you know, to a degree is a bit of a competitor with, with what Andrew's doing at Connect4. Um, but, you know, I talked to him at the Digital Accountancy Show the other week, and, you know, really interesting to see that what they've done is built a lot of integrations with, you know, some of the practice management suites that are out there. And I think that's definitely the, the right direction of travel. You know, clearly for them, that helps them just to target a slightly smaller end of the market than maybe we operate in. Uh, but there's loads to go out there and loads of opportunity to, to really bring you know the integration of practice management into the meetings and, and create that one-stop shop to sort of service clients from and share information and, and everything else so i think it's a great idea it's a great product uh, the development that they've done over the last 18 months or so is absolutely you know storming it's incredible so let's let's hope they have continued success it has really come on um because i use it um so as a smaller practice so i've used it and i've used it now for quite a while and the number of updates and things that are coming out they're really listening to us I think I know Ryan had tried to log on when I was running one of our meetings from a golf club car park and couldn't do it at the time but I believe that he could now do that now 
so yeah there's been quite a lot of new features so yeah it'll be really interesting to see where it's going I was unaware of a, a specific golf club related bug. I, I, now, now I know that's yeah. present. I'll make sure I join from different locations. <laughs> and I didn't realise you had lessened our social status by, uh, by, by going to the golf club. Anyway, never mind. In other news as well. So there's uh, Vic.ai. Uh, they raised $50 million. Uh, and uh, I believe, I think that was Series B. Um, and that's around the kind of removing what the you know the estate is removing some of the kind of mundane laborious tasks in accounts production. Well, I, I think uh, in general, Vic.ai is not something that's been on our radar. Um, but I think they've been doing a lot of development from the from I guess the the research I've done following you know picking this up. Anything with AI in uh, as a as a term tends to get heavy investment. Um, but they have done a lot of testing. They've, they've, tested 300 million records through this system working with price uh, waterhouse coopers bdo and kpmg on this and um how i'd compare what they're doing is is taking i guess what dext would would or how dext operate which is having a, a bit of code that automates you know 99 of the the work the transactions and then having kind of a human interface to kind of review that or tweak things that the the system can't do but they're doing that for general accounting transactions so i think this will be really interesting to see what they put that development into and if we now see this marketed a lot more to the accounting profession new to, to me but interesting and see what they do i think also the, there's mention in the press release about the uh, autonomous approval flows which you know again is sort of something that sits in our in our space in terms of apps like approval max but effectively what it looks like they're doing is using a little bit of sort of robotic process automation to understand what that process is how that should be mapped out and then and then automatically deciding which employees need to be involved in that process so fascinating to see that in real life i don't think any of us have really touched it yet and but, but we'd definitely love to see uh, how it looks and feels and whether it really does compete with uh, with other products in the market yep and one final one was um, Grid, which is $20 million. Um, and I think that's just to your point earlier that you were saying about Intuit, MailChimp, and the kind of sales cycle processing. And I know this is more something that, John, you'd already spoken about. So I don't know if you had a bit more insight on that. Again, an app that's probably not familiar to a lot of accountants, you know, this sort of um, revenue grid system, which is really aimed at the the sales process in terms of trying to automate more and more of that um you know from the from the very start in terms of you know identifying leads and then following that through for a lot of accountants probably not massively on the radar in terms of something that would do but you know has has the ability to tap into lots of uh, crm systems be fascinating to see how this develops and, and whether or not we'll, we'll pick it up in the future as um, you know, a way of uh, identifying new clients and new prospects the final one capitalized 10 million series b from experian and capitalize has obviously broken some good ground in capital advisory in the uk so um that was exciting to see i don't know if you guys know anything more on that i bumped into ollie maitland at the digital accountancy show we had a had a really good catch-up uh capitalize isn't a product that we we use uh within within the firm although i'd really like to have it have it in there I think it's um, you know, one of the, the most sort of groundbreaking apps that's come into that, that sort of lending space in a long time. What he was saying was that, you know, now that as a consequence of that funding, you know, now they've got uh, some better credit control data in the background. So they've always had credit control and they've always had some data there, but they're now tapping into experience, uh, you know, wealth of information, which just means that they've got a lot more granular information, a lot more information that makes the queries and, and uh, that clients of theirs are making more relevant and provides more insight into decision making. So I think it's really fascinating to see that they're branching out into that, um, you know, becoming an increasingly competitive market as well with the likes of Swoop and some of the others that have, that have come in over recent years. I don't know if either of you have thought about this, but obviously when you have spoken about in the past accounting softwares that would buy into a different app and then potentially close it or own it or incorporate into the workflow, for me, I see that as a natural extension of an Experian product. Um, and I wondered whether that would mean in the long run that someone like an Experian would do this, a similar thing and incorporate it into their own. Experian have in the past been very acquisitive, but you know, in recent, in recent times, I don't feel that they have. Um, and certainly from a technology point of view, I think it's, you know, I think they are a step behind. I mean, credit credit data in itself is a massive, massive opportunity. 
Um, but I think, um, you know, if I, if I link this back to one of my favorite topics with the open banking stuff, I think that's where this kind of credit, credit control information, credit data is going to start uh, becoming more popular. But I think it's going to start feeding through from other data sources. You know, obviously at the moment, all of the credit control apps, uh, or sorry, all of the credit data apps have their own proprietary data, you know, connected to things like uh, companies' house, connected to uh, information that they receive from their own customers. Uh, but increasingly, I think as open banking, you know, becomes more prevalent, uh, you're going to be able to see the likes of Experian and, and others take some more of that data and actually compare real-time, real-life credit data as it happens from an accounting system and a banking system. Ryan, uh, I think you've got some great updates on the, the Zero App Store, so hit it. Yeah, I guess, you know, as you as we've talked about, there's been a lot of activity in funding um, and, and going back to that that Intuit and MailChimp thing, I think that 10 billion um, that's floating around is would be their biggest acquisition. So it's that's huge. I know we we, we predict that they'll close down everything they buy. I, I think this is probably more strategic on that side. Um, but as well as the funding side, it's gone crazy in the zero app store for the last the last month. We've got 18 new apps that have come through um, that are you know registered approved for the zero app store um, in around the, the last month. There, because there's 18, there's no way I'm, I'm going to flick through them all. But there's a few that I've picked out um, that I was either aware of before or look interesting. One of them is Xenon Connect. Um, so that is like a dashboard tool um, similar to... Um, I guess what uh, I've gone mind blank now. Is it MindBridge? Is that the the cool. data analytics? Yeah. Cool. So similar to MindBridge um, in what they're doing, but aimed more directly at businesses. So it's giving insights on what your business valuation might be, uh, what your corporation tax might, liability might be, how many dividends you could take out. Definitely an interesting tool. I think it's getting quite cluttered in that space. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they market themselves, differentiate against the other competitors. Another app that was uh, released um, in the last month is Intelligent uh, Golf, which actually, although has golf in there, and I know I pick up on things that are golf related, is all, all sport related, um, is a sport related app. But what I find interesting is I was speaking to them about integrating into the app store probably a year ago. So it's really interesting to see that they've done that. They've gone through the steps and they're now, they're now listed. Um, and another one I want to pick up more because the topic that we're on at the moment is Spheric. Um, now, this is a um, carbon footprint app. And so I'm hoping, Caroline, you have a little bit of information on this. This is maybe more yeah. of your area of expertise. Yeah, I have used that one. So again, it's a zero app and it will calculate and measure your carbon footprint um, and then give you ideas on how to mitigate it and an action plan. So it's... Um, you have to input quite a lot of information into there, so about how you work, where you work, etc., and then it calculates the footprint for you. I believe until recently, carbon an analytics were the only one in this space and it integrated into zero. So it's interesting there, to see more coming through. Yeah, there are other ones popping up. There are quite a few overseas ones as well. Um, but yeah, this one, um, they're a Bristol-based firm. Um, they started off only integrated with Zero, and now I see it integrates with QuickBooks and I think Sage and things as well. I wasn't aware of Aspheric until you, you you bounced it in our, our Slack channel the other day, uh, Ryan. But uh, you know, really interesting. And, and as Caroline has sort of said, and, and you sort of said, there's, there's lots of lots of developments. Clearly, a very popular topic at the moment in terms of you know environmental social responsibility. Um, one thing I would say, I did have a quick play with Spheric, you know, plugged it into one of my clients. Um, I think it needs a bit more work in terms of the onboarding process and just to make, make it a little bit more understandable in terms of what you get in the outputs because um, I connected it to a relatively simple client. Uh, it took a little bit of time, not, not ages to, to, to get it integrated and to provide the relevant information. But then I was I didn't, just didn't really understand the outputs that we got from it um, and, and you know, what, that, what that really meant in reality. So um, you know, maybe I'm just a bit simple, I don't understand it, but I think it, just, it would just help to, to make you know, the outputs a bit more clear and have a little bit more of a guided process to, to put in the information in and, and being able to go back and change it. That was one of the things I also noticed was that you couldn't go back and change some of your decisions after you'd stepped through the, that sort of an initial onboarding process. So um, if they're listening, hopefully they'll pick that up. The theory of Spheric sounds amazing and it touches on 
exactly what we're trying to do today, which is talk around an area of ESG. Something like spheric, whether it's in its infancy, gives leaders an opportunity to have actionable insights and do something about it, because that's what this is really starting to creep into, that you need to know where you currently are to be able to generate a strategy and, and some action of how you want to manage your footprint going forward. So I think in theory, it's brilliant and it's a good start and it will be exciting to see how it develops. Yeah, and I think, you know what, you make a really good point there because um, ESG reporting is, uh, from an accountancy point of view and a financial reporting point of view, is becoming much more uh, much more popular. You know, I know that the big four firms in particular are kind of all over this, but I don't think there's a very clear framework for, for us normal accountants who don't work in the big four to kind of deliver that kind of reporting and to advise our clients on it. Uh, I, I'm sure Caroline will touch on it, you know, when we when we get around to the interview, but uh, I think we need a much clearer framework about how we do this, how we do, do calculate, you know, the environmental impact of operating a business, whether that's big or small, and, and make that information reliable and uh, so that so that we're comfortable that what we're getting as an output is is reasonable so that we can take actions moving on i think you've got some other um, other news as well yes so um santander are the next bank to get into having a finance solution um, they have partnered with um tomato tomato pay um to launch uh, what they're referring to as the uk cash flow manager app um, and this is designed to speed up payments for utilization of QR codes, something that we're seeing a lot more prevalent. Um, I've been talking to uh, Cresco recently and they've brought that into their, their product. Um, and the other thing, the other topic we love talking about is it's utilizing open banking. Um, so uh, it brings in all of your other bank accounts into this one app. So you can see everything in one place. Admittedly, it, it's lim it doesn't do 2% of UK banks, but generally it's probably going to cover your bank to be able to pull in that information. There'll be limited functionality with those banks, more functionality with obviously anything you've got on Santander. But I just think it's really interesting. We've got another another bank getting into this space that feels they can build something that is better than what's already in the marketplace. Interesting to see if it works or not to the extent they want, if they manage to hook their customers to using that piece of software rather than an external third party. But yeah, it, it's an interesting release. If normal's a compliment, Ryan, I think we're, we're getting pretty desperate, aren't we? I've known of, of Tomato Pay, which used to be called Fractal Labs for, for quite a long time. It's been around for, for quite a while. I think probably one of the first sort of open banking apps to, to get out there. And it's uh, they've had an interesting journey to, to where they get to. As you've said, Ryan, another bank kind of trying to get into cash flow management. I, you know, we've talked about, you know, some of the other apps that are in the space and my personal point of view this kind of short-term cash flow forecasting doesn't massively appeal to me or to my clients unless they have a specific need and it tends to be an indication that they've got a problem so so interesting that, that, that another bank have got in there i know that santander is spending a huge amount of money on on tech developments uh, they've had a few projects in the past that they've launched and then had to pull away from so let's just hope that this partnership with, with tomato pay is is successful it's good to have some competition in the market and uh, as we all know I'm, I'm a massive fan of anything open banking so uh, i really love it and um uh, you know the we need to get more accountants and more businesses engaged with open banking and the possibilities that it creates for them yeah and uh, to be honest john i was unaware that fractal labs have become tomato pay uh, I'd completely missed that. And I, I remember looking at Fractal Labs three, four years ago, and it was an impressive piece of kit back then, um, yeah. and then just disappeared off the radar. So this kind of makes sense and actually probably cements that this may have a lot more promise than uh, some of the other banks and the apps that they've been developing. Yeah, super. And then last but not least for me, Notion are about to acquire Automate.ai. Automate.ai is... A direct competitor, I would say, with the likes of, of Zapier. So it's a you know a, a system that allows you to connect cloud-based apps, in particular, through through their APIs and, and automate workflows. Um, Notion 
is is a system that operates in a similar kind of space. It's kind of in this no code space, uh, but more akin uh, for me anyways, similar to some of the stuff that we see in Teams in terms of it allows you to have things like wikis, it allows you to chat, it allows you to uh, set up things like Kanban boards and, and other things so that you can manage projects. So it's it's kind of a, a almost trying to be an all-in-one um, you know, team management solution. Personally, we don't use Notion. We've looked at it a few times, really interested. I know that other practices do use it and they, they make really good use of it. So this acquisition of automate.ai is, is really promising, I think, because from a practice point of view, that gives you the ability to hopefully tap into some of the other products that you're using, automate some more of those workflows and deliver services a bit more efficiently. Okay, so that wraps up our app news. Because I'm so close to the desk now, if I laugh, because my because I'm not slim enough, my belly's touching the desk and it makes it wobble. It's like Santa Claus problem. <laughs> not not quite Santa Claus at the moment, but yeah. What a question that is. Well done. No, great. I mean, I'm gonna have to think about that. I didn't know you were gonna ask me that. We're not equipped to do that neatly. If you've got another client that Set off and around now, indeed. Set off and around. Yeah, I know, but equally, if you've got another client, should we be paying the national minimum wage for living? Oh, you've started it. She's not stopping now. No, no, that's not our area. Okay, okay, fine. Okay. Moving on. Thank you for joining us today, Caroline. Um, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your background? Okay, well, I obviously am an accountant. I trained many moons ago with PwC and audit um, and then spent some time in industry and then in practice and then sent up my own firm where I was FD for small businesses and uh, went overseas to Australia um, with my husband's work and it was really when I was over there I had a bit more time and so did quite a few courses for fun but in things I was interested in so did personal training health coaching and then did something um, all around the environment and just got really interested in it and while I was over there I actually ran events and did all sorts of things all around health and environment and food and things um, and then I came back to the UK I still had that interest but I had to buy a house and go back into a full-time uh, job so um, went and worked for another accountancy firm and then a few years further down the line set up my own business again again doing FD work for businesses um, and that was then where I was able to sort of think what do I want to do and I sort of looked at options and I'd seen B Corp and new B Corp and thought this is the perfect thing for me um, and started on that journey and it is a journey um, and basically it's the aim of B Corp is you're looking at your your purpose and your your profit you're balancing the two because we've spoken about b corp before and obviously we've kind of spoken about values how important they are to businesses and what's driving the new age of kind of businesses that are now coming to the table um b corp in particular has seen an increase in the number of applications this last year but a lot of people still don't really know what it is so if you were to try and to you know explain it to some of the accountants that you've worked with what is B Corp and what is it that got you really interested in it? I like to say that B Corp is to business what fair trade is to coffee, really. It's a good sort of analogy. It's sort of, it's giving you a certification that you have, you are a business that is looking beyond just making a profit and actually looking and considering the planet and the people as well. Um, and they look at the impact that they're having on their workers, their customers, the community and the environment. And then they take steps in order to basically become a better business. Um, so they're, they hold themselves to some really high social and environmental standards. They're very transparent in what they do and very accountable to what they do. Um, and they really look at the impact that they're making um, and how they're actually going to move forward, set targets and improve into the future. Great. And you have become a bee leader. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, what is a bee leader and what made you start that journey? Because from my understanding, it's not a, a small step. It's actually quite a large feat to take on. Um, especially in this 
sort of day and age where you've got your your day job but to actually commit to this wholeheartedly what is it taking and what is it and can you tell us a little bit more about that I'll tackle it the other way around and that so and first of all I did B Corp for my own business so I went through that journey for my own business and um you in or you know I thought oh yeah I'll, I'll do that and that'll be job done but I just absolutely loved it I just found it absolutely fascinating I love the community um, and also the whole process so I you know just going off reading meeting people in all different directions as I worked my way through through the process um, and when it came to the end I wanted to do more um, I want to in, you know encourage other businesses to think not necessarily become B Corp but to actually to think just beyond making money to think actually how they can be a better business um, and as a result, I applied to become a B leader. And now a B leader are B leaders are individuals who are trained by B Corp in order to help other businesses go through their whole B Corp journey. So take them through the certification, help them through verification and then stay with them, because once you've verified every three years, you have to recertify. So then ideally stay with them and in that three year period, help them you know, record their impacts, make an action plan and actually see how they're progressing. So when it comes to recertification, then we can then recertify. Um, why should businesses and accountants sort of care about this now? And we touched on some jargon earlier, ESG, environmental and social governance. Why should accountants care about this? There are lots, lots of reasons why it's becoming a hot topic now. Well, once, you know, there has been a massive increase in the number of B Corps. Um, you're also seeing a lot in the news on climate and the environment. You know, it's regularly in the news headlines. Um, and we've also got COP26, which is a meeting of all the, the heads of um, different countries meeting together in Glasgow in November, which is all about climate and the climate conference. Um, we also have seen a lot of initiatives in the UK because we're trying to reduce our carbon emissions. So that's sort of raising the environment side of things. Equally on the social side, you know, we see a lot about the pay gender gap. We see a lot about inclusion um, and also racism and things like that and how we're actually trying to stamp that out and become a more diverse um, employers. And um, so that's sort of taking up sort of the, the people element of it as well. And also, the sort of especially the gen z's that are coming through they're much more environmentally aware they're much more attracted to businesses who have got similar values they're wanting a different type of workforce now you know they don't want these fixed rigid workforces they want to be more flexible and included and you know decision making etc so these are all sort of driving it and then also feeds into the business and the accountant side we've also got initiatives such as the better business act which is going through um with the mps at the moment now this is um something that was launched i was at the launch back in april i believe and it is um a plea to the government that all businesses in the uk regardless of their size are going to have an obligation in order to consider not just the shareholders but the wider stakeholder group so that would be in including you know their not just their investors but including their workers the community etc um, and as part of this they will have a legal obligation and have to and this is actually the better business act is aiming to change section 172 of the companies act so it would go into law and these businesses would have to report on what they are doing now obviously if this comes into effect and like I say it was released it came it was launched back in March time um, and it's now got over 750 signatures and on there we've got Waitrose, we've got Ocado, we've got Innocent Drinks, Institute of Directors, they've all signed up to it and if this goes through businesses of all sizes are suddenly going to have to take notice and then that kind of feeds into where the accountants come in. So accountants have got a double hat, I feel here. Not only should we be looking at our practices, but we should also be looking at how we can help our clients and how we can actually, you know, bring, bring this. Um, well, I think actually, I think it's gonna go the other way around. I think the clients potentially could be further, you know, 
a few steps ahead of us in this situation if we're if you know if we're not so aware of what's going on and you know but it's how can we help them and how can we support them because this is what we should be there to do and a lot of obviously a lot of these initiatives in order to become better businesses um you know will have an impact on profit and you know they all tie in together so accountants i think are really well placed to help and advise them so do you feel that it's inevitable to some extent that this is coming down the track for most businesses and accountants either which way will have some form of relationship with it because it is a form of compliance i think I think it's not just compliance. I think it's inevitable for a lot of reasons. And I think one thing we are seeing at the moment is this coming down the supply chain. You know, a lot of people would have said, you know, well, that's fine. That's a big company. You know, that's not going to impact us. But actually, suppliers are beginning to look at the suppliers that they're using and, you know, asking, I mean, I'm a small business. I send out a supplier questionnaire to all my suppliers because I want to know actually what's sort of business they're operating you know I'm asking them about diversity inclusion environment all these sorts of things um, and I think other people will start well I know other people are starting to do the same and um, I was speaking to somebody the other week and they were um, doing a proposal for a, a business and they had to put in something about you know the slavery act and what their some of their policies were and for example if you're a business and you want to um, bid for a government pro uh, a government project you have to give details of your scope three carbon emissions so all these things are starting to sort of come through naturally and you have to stop there because i forgot your question what was your question uh, whether it's inevitable yeah um, okay. what is it inevitable yeah so you know it, i think it is inevitable that you know we are all going to have to take notice and i think it's all going to come through naturally and also i think there's a massive part of it with the Gen Zs that are coming through because I think that's really going to have a massive impact on recruitment and you know we all know at the moment recruitment's quite hard and um, so you know if you can actually prove and be genuine that of what you're doing I think that will definitely encourage businesses. Um, Absolutely and retention so not just yeah. the recruitment but actually the retention because a lot of people are looking for yeah. why they should stay beyond a certain period yeah uh, definitely careers ESG in itself and B Corp multifaceted and it's got many heads yeah. so I know that you've spoken a little bit about carbon emissions and then diversity and inclusion both different sort of areas of ESG what are the main areas that you would say that an accountant or even a business today needs to consider when they're looking at ESG or the areas of B Corp that are covered in the application well, the areas that are covered in the application there's governance because in order to be a b corp business you actually have to change your articles of association so there's a government element and also how the actual business is run and how the board is made up etc um you've also got the workers side so you've got the whole employ employment side of it and um, the community the environment and also the customers so there are sort of the five areas that all fit in together and you know, we talk about ESG, we talk about B Corp, we talk, there's a lot of sustainability, there's lots of terminology, but, and I'm sure there are slight differences, but effectively, to me anyway, they all kind of mean the same thing. So they're all overlapping. Um, so those are the sort of the areas that all need to be addressed. And I mean, from a B Corp point of view, that's the holistic nature of it, because it does address all these, whereas you do get other other ways and other certifications or other processes you can look at and you only look at certain areas and there's a massive focus especially by accountants um, driven more by the regulatory and reporting side of it um, on the carbon and just looking at the environment whereas in point of fact this is a much bigger beast and we actually have to look at a much wider area and I think you know from a, a business's point of view they're more, they're going to be quite aware of that, um, you know, of actually they're looking from a wider point of view. And um, the one thing I would say with accountants is we do have to remember that we are accountants. So there will be areas where we won't be able to advise. And then it's knowing on what, you know, what experts we can bring in. That brings us nicely on to how can an accountant go about getting started 
with B Corp if they were to look at it? What is the application process? What does it look like? And how can they um, kick it off? Um, well, the B Corp process, it um, basically takes you through a series of questions, um, but the questions are unique to you. So when you start on the B Corp process, you have to put in some information about you and your business. And then that will basically tailor the questions specific to the type of business that you are. So you're looking at the, your size, what you do, where you're located, et cetera. Then the questions are broken down through those five areas and you work through each one and you get points. Um, I always say it's not a point scoring exercise. It's the whole point, you know, you, yes, you earn points, but um, the whole point is to look at the whole business and work your way through it and give evidence and explain exactly what you're doing in your business. You generally get roughly around about 200 questions. Um, you might think it's just a quick go through, answer all the questions, and you might want to do it that way, but you need to have evidence to support what you're, what you're saying. And at the end of it, um, you will have a total. And as long as you've got more than 80 points, you can then submit your application. Um, once you've submitted your application, you then have to go through a rigorous audit, which is undertaken by um, B Corp and B Lab. Um, and roughly they say about one in three companies actually go through to um, certification. If you then get through the audit, you are then awarded B Corp status and you'll see that lovely B Corp badge that you see on, you know, Innocent Drinks and Ella's Kitchen, etc. Um, and you join the B Corp community. And then every three years, you then have to go back through that BIA, which is the questions, and then resubmit. But in the intervening um, years, you also have to um, release on your website um, or have it somewhere publicly accessible what's called your annual impact report. So once you've gone through your whole questions, you should set yourself targets. Now these could be just driven directly off your B Corp application, or it could be driven by the UN SDG goals, however you want to do it. And then you should be monitoring your progress against this targets um, and seeing how you're getting on. And then when you come to recertifying, there is no need you know, to go in with more points than you did before, but quite often, you know, you, you hear of other businesses that are doing doing that. And then over the last um, 12 months, we've got, we've seen a massive increase in the number of people applying. And uh, in the last year alone, there have been over 4,000, I believe, applications. Uh, and bearing in mind worldwide, as we stand at the moment, there are 4,000 B Corp companies. Uh, we can see a massive growth in that in the future. So, how much of a commitment is it, would you say, um, in terms of time or anyone going through the process? Yeah, well, it really depends on the size of the business and the complexity of the business. You know, I tend to say for a relatively, relatively small, you know, not international subsidiaries with hundreds of employees and manufacturing plants. But um, I, I tend to say give yourself probably round about three months to get everything together, get all your evidence together, and then to put your, um, your application in. And the way I work with companies, I work with them in one, in two. I also work with accountants, accountancy practices who are going through this similar idea, either work on a one-to-one -one basis, or if you're a micro business, I can do it as part of a cohort where we do it with, with, with other businesses and work them that way. But it's breaking it down into bite-sized chunks because it can be quite overwhelming to go in and try and do the whole thing at once. And if you take it on a step-by-step -step approach um, and then you know go through it, and then nine times out of 10, you go through the whole process and then go back to specific areas where you know your points might not be as good or you're weak, et cetera and then sort of go and address those specific areas. Great. And from a, a, a business perspective, if you were to outline the benefits to um, any business that's going through the process, what would you summarize those as? Um, well, first of all, you've got the credibility from the logo. As soon as you see that, then you know it's genuine. Um, you know, you are a better business. You are serious about what you're doing definitely attracting talent as I've mentioned 
also attracting customers customers are a lot more you know clued into who, who they're buying from um, and there's some really interesting stats out there also if you're a company looking for investment um, you know there are some investors and you know ESG um, and B Corp I was speaking to a corporate finance advisor the other week and he was saying you know so many more investors are looking for that and interested in that and also it's a I was also speaking to a B Corp company and they said we make better decisions you know we've got better decisions everybody's engaged you know the staff are much more engaged and as a result they're they're finding that you know it's a a better working environment so yeah there are loads of loads of benefits from being a, a b corp business uh, i know we've spoken about the b corp process and becoming um, a b corporation um, one of the things that we looked at as well as the retention benefits and also putting our values down and being able to show that we're really walking the walk um, was around the long-term exit prospects of a business so there's a McKinsey report that actually said if you're a business and you are um, committing to ESG through things like B Corp you increase your exit valuation by up to 50% which is incredible um, in this day and age but I think that's one of the the biggest driving forces of why businesses should consider looking at the sustainability and ESG in a little bit more detail yeah yeah that's definitely right thanks for that Caroline no thank you for having me Okay, so that moves us now on to our of interest section. And I think, Ryan, you've got uh, something to, to fill us in on. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's on topic as well. So um, QuickBooks had a, um, a webinar this week all about their climate positivity, which is focusing on them reducing the carbon footprint, not just for themselves, but also their client base. So on topic, I guess, um, Intuit this week had uh, a webinar all about their climate positivity scheme. Um, which is about um, not only reducing their own climate footprint, but those of their, their customers, their users. So back in 2015, uh, the company achieved carbon neutrality, which is you know a great achievement back then. Um, wow. And then back in 2020, it, it met its renewable energy goals. But this year, um, it pledged to uh, reduce um, the carbon emissions across the entire of its customer base, including itself, by 2 million metric tons by 2030, 50 times greater than its own carbon footprint. And the webinar this week was all about that. It was all about you know encouraging part of their marketing drive to get their users to reduce their carbon footprint. I guess B Corp being one of those um, potential ways of doing so. So yeah, just on topic, pick that up. What was interesting? Super, and on a related topic, I think Indy, you've got something similar from the Institute. And on a related topic, the ICAW has urged the government to bring together the UK's regions and nations on a new implementation or leadership board to achieve the net zero by 2050, the, the goals the government has pledged to commit towards. And the ICAW has sort of laid down a little bit more of a, a challenge to say actually that there needs to be more leadership around this and some, I guess, a steering group or a steering board that would then be more accountable for making sure that we're in line with those um, pledges. Yeah, I, th I think they, they basically said if they don't do that, the government don't do that, they're, they're probably not going to meet their target. Um, so I think they were highlighting it. So they, they're putting it as a, a must, a need um, for the government to make action, bring in this, this uh, I can't remember, a net zero implementation board or, or something they're referring to. Um, otherwise, what's the point? Don't do anything because you're not going to meet those targets. Yeah, great. And um, Ryan, do you want to talk about QuickBooks? desktop subscriptions yeah only a quick one uh, this uh, this week so just everything's going subscription based um, and it, it turns out that um, from 2022 so next year the QuickBooks desktop solution will only be available on a subscription basis so it's just showing that you know, I think Sage did the same thing with their products moved it to subscription QuickBooks doing the same thing everything's subscription based we cannot escape that anymore it's really interesting that I mean it, so do you think that's Going to encourage more people to move to the the cloud solution i mean you know clearly with sage they've not kind of enforced that transition but i'm not sure whether quickbooks were going to do the same so i don't think quickbooks have had the same problem as sage i.e the tie into their old product there was a lot of transition across the quickbooks online product early on um sage i'm aware of have actually 
pushed very heavily now recently in their marketing. They've got their marketing teams reaching out directly to their customers, convincing them to go to their cloud product. That's where everything is going. Um, I don't think QuickBooks needs to. I think they've actually got to a stage now where really it's just maintain those few ones. And yeah, I think it's probably another another reason to consider another another kick to move them off those desktop products towards the, the online one. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully a well-needed kick as well. So, uh, uh, well, at least to benefit us, I suppose. Um, so I've got a little bit of, uh, of, of news as well. So WISE, which used to be TransferWISE, so uh, it's slightly interesting uh, name change that's come about. Uh, they've just released a feature in beta, which is called Assets. Uh, it's only available to UK businesses and UK residents. Um, but basically what they're offering there is the ability that if you've got cash sitting in your WISE accounts, whether it's sterling, dollars, uh, euros, whatever it might be, you can now effectively convert that to invest in a BlackRock fund that invests across the thousand biggest uh, companies on the various stock markets. Uh, and so changing it into an investment product where potentially obviously your, your cash, which might be sitting there dormant, would actually start to earn some value because anyone who uses WISE, uh, I'm a WISE user, I absolutely love it, um, you know, knows that the cash that you've got there will just sit there, it doesn't earn interest. So potential for some growth. Clearly, we're not giving investment advice. Um, you know, it may well go down in value as well as up. But, uh, you know, an interesting development, um, you know, uh, and, and from the outside looking in and certainly as a user, it's really flexible, dead easy to do. You literally just go into the app, click on, you know, move my money to, to assets and, and it's done within a couple of days. Equally, if you want to move it back to cash, it takes a couple of days to, to be liquidated. But uh, it seems like a really cool, interesting feature. Definitely. Um, and I think, you know, it's, like you said, we can't make investment advice, but staying on topic, always consider those ethical investments. Um, and it's mm -hmm. probably not something they've built into the product yet, but I hope that's something they'll do over time. Um, I've got something else not uh, related to the environment, um, but ICFW have um, basically called on the government to drop the self-assessment tax reform plans. Um, something they were pushing, now they've actually called on them to drop it, basically saying the industry is not ready. Um, please push this back again. Um, not making tax digital, just the, the change to those that tax basis. But on a max, making tax digital um, side, they've also picked up the, and they've picked plumbers as an example here. I think this is more rife across the entire industry. Um, but the 80% of plumbers in that small business space are not ready for making tax digital for income tax. This through a survey of a large number of um, plumbers. And um, once again, I think this is more um, of, uh, I guess, relevant to that individual small business um, that has absolutely no awareness that this change is coming, potentially doesn't have an accountant, doesn't have someone that's advising them, um, and is a big risk actually of huge non-compliance when we hit April 2023. So small thing there, um, and I think that's me for, for the week. Excellent. So that wraps up our uh, latest pod for Digitals in a Cruel World. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed what we've had to say and uh, we'd be really keen to hear your feedback on the podcast. Let us know what you love. Let us know what you don't like so that we can improve the output and make it even better for you in the future. Don't forget that you should be subscribing. Tell all of your friends and colleagues uh, how amazing it is or not and make sure that you, uh, you get our future episodes and listen to some of the historic ones if you haven't done already. Uh, if anyone wants to reach out to any of us personally, you can do. So Caroline, where can people get hold of you? Um, well, best place probably is on LinkedIn, but uh, I am also on uh, Instagram as well. So yeah, but if you look on me and search my name, Caroline Harridance, yeah, you'll find me there. Super. Ryan, where can we find you? Uh, so I'm on LinkedIn, Ryan Piercy, and on Twitter at Ryan N Piercy. Uh, I just also want to comment, uh, John, brilliant job today. I think you've probably put me out of a, a job of hosting this going forward. Makes my life a bit easier. <laughs> Thanks very much, Ryan. Well, we'll see. We'll hand over to Indy at some point and let's, let's see if she can really put us to shame. Indy, where can we find you? Being corny and very corny. No. LinkedIn at, Ind at Indivere, Indy Tatler and Twitter at Indivere. Uh, and if you're desperate to get a hold of me, you can find me on LinkedIn, it's John Toon, or on Twitter, uh, it's John underscore Toon. Uh, so once again, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the pod and make sure you subscribe and like us going forward. Thank you very much. Bye. 
I don't think you should give investment advice. Kim Kardashian was slapped on the wrist for that. So you not Absolutely. learned anything from the news this week. I need to up my Instagram though to get up to Kim Kardashian's sort of like levels, particularly on the crypto stuff.